The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Thank you very much. Welcome along. This is episode number 33 of The Boys of Tech for Monday the 7th of September 2009. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm your host this week. Uh, Normally we're joined by Brett King uh, over Skype. Unfortunately, Brett can't be with us this week. In the week just been, I've I've managed to score myself a copy of Snow Leopard for $59.00. In fact, I bought one of the last few copies remaining in the country because I learned that the very next day, the shop from where I bought the copy, which happens to be the the shop at my workplace, only had one copy left, and that was the last copy in the entire country. So these things have been selling like like hotcakes. These these things have really been going off the shelf. Uh, and yeah, I, I still haven't installed it yet. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know what I could do? I could actually sell this at a at a premium. I could, you know, like ticket scalping. I could, it's not a ticket. I could software scalp if, if that makes sense. But no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on in a in a while. I'll have to find some time to to do that later on, and I'll let you know how it goes because the report. In fact, the reports I've heard is uh, are very good. That you know, yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, the, you know, the performance increase is definitely noticeable. So I'm hoping that I'll, I'll uh, see the same benefits as well. And apparently it uses a lot, a lot less space as well. You get about 10 gigs worth of space back, I think. Well, that's not a lot, but, uh, you know, it's 10 gigs you wouldn't otherwise have. So, so there you go. Anyway, kicking off this week in the international stories, there's been an extended outage at Google in case you didn't notice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rare, but Gmail was offline. You, you couldn't log into Gmail. Uh, it's upset a lot of people. They can't get to their mail. And uh, this kind of highlights what we've talked about on previous episodes of The Boys of Tech. And that is that, you know, the the cloud's all well and good. But when the cloud goes down, so do you. And, you know, if you're going to have cloud computing, it's got to be pretty bulletproof. You know, you can't have these sorts of outages, uh, at least not for businesses. You know, if businesses had outsourced their mail systems to Gmail, well, they're out of mail for, you know, they don't have mail for a, for an entire day. That's pretty drastic. So unless you can create a local version of the cloud in your infrastructure and it's hosted locally, unless you can do that, you're, you're, you're putting yourself at risk. You know, you're, you're kind of relying on Google. So, and it, well, in fact, you're relying on more than just Google. You're relying on the internet connectivity between you and Google servers. Now, that could be anyone. It could be some, uh, you know, it could be a tele- telecommunications company. It could be your local ISP. So, you know, you're relying on a number of factors. Uh, so, yeah, we're not we're not saying we're against the cloud and it's a bad idea, but we're just saying that for business, it has to be pretty bulletproof for it to work well. And in fact, what's more interesting is the explanation that Google gave. I don't want to suggest that the explanation is false, but it, it was kind of weird kind of strange, kind of unusual, in fact. They said that the disruption was caused to an error during routine upgrades, and they say that normally this isn't a problem. They take servers down all the time, and, you know, 
perform maintenance and bring them back up and everything goes well. But apparently this one time they miscalculated. They say that the engineers slightly underestimated the increased load that was put on other parts of the system during the upgrades. So, yeah, it's kind of strange. <laughs> it seems like such a small error, such a minor thing that could, you know. And what does slightly underestimated mean? It's uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird explanation, if not somewhat humorous. I'm sure it wasn't humorous for the people who were actually trying to get to their mail at the time who needed something or were expecting something or were trying to meet a deadline. But yeah, sitting on the outside, it's it's kind of funny. Law professor Eric Goldman has been saying since about 2005 that Wikipedia is going to fail by the year 2010. Now, he doesn't actually define what fail means, but he, he's not referring to the whole system crashing and burning. What he's saying is that it's it's not going to be what it is now in terms of it's not going to have its value. It's it kind of, Take the analogy of Usenet, for example. Remember those news groups if you, if you were around the internet in the mid-90s? If not, you may not have heard of news groups, but yeah, yeah, those news groups have been taken over by spammers. You know, it, as you know, towards even towards the uh, early two thousands, it was you know the signal to noise ratio was pretty bad, and it's you know Usenet for all intents and purposes has lost its value, and that's what Eric Goldman is saying about Wikipedia that it's it's just not going to work. It's not going to have the value that it has now. He's even written a paper on... In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read you the abstract. It says, This essay explains why Wikipedia will not be able to maintain a credible website while simultaneously letting anyone freely edit it. To date, Wikipedia editors have successfully defended against malicious attacks from spammers and vandals, but as editors turn over, Wikipedia will need to recruit replacements. However, Wikipedia will have difficulty with this recruiting task due to its limited incentives for participation. Faced with a potential labour squeeze, Wikipedia will choose to restrict users' ability to contribute to the site as a way of preserving site credibility. Wikipedia's specific configuration choices make it an interesting test case to evaluate the tension between free editability and site credibility, and this essay touches on how this tension affects user-generated content generally. So that's the abstract of the paper. I haven't actually read the, the paper itself yet, which I'll, I'll have to do. But what he's saying makes sense. I'm just not 100% con- convinced that Wikipedia is going to fall over because of that. Having said that, you know, if you go back 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you wouldn't really have thought that Usenet would once die. And okay, there's, <laughs> I know what's going to happen now. We're going to get all these comments on the on the website from people saying, Usenet is not dead, I'm still using it. But, you know, let's get real. T- to be honest, for all intents and purposes, Usenet really has lost, you know, the majority of its value. It's it's really not the tool that it once was. It's been It's been hijacked. It's been taken over by spammers and, and idiots, really. So, it, you know, maybe it can happen to Wikipedia. I don't know. Uh, you know, having said that, Wikipedia have changed their, well, are about to, I think, implement the changes to the editing policy. Uh, whether or not that will have an effect remains to be seen. But Eric Goldman is definitely standing by uh, his statement. And as I said, he's, he's just put out this paper uh, just recently. All right, what's Microsoft been doing in the past week? Well, they're pushing for a single global patent system. So, you know, in fact, 
one of the reasons they give for this is that there's actually a backlog worldwide of pending patent applications. Uh, apparently there's 3.5 million around the world, 750,000 of those uh, in the US. So obviously if, figure, if those figures are true, then Microsoft in fact do have a point. Uh, it's obviously uh, not working. And why is there such a backlog? It could well be because when people apply for a patent, they apply for it in many countries because they want the, the best protection their money can buy. And so we get this duplication of, of, of effort. And so I think, you know, what Microsoft's looking for is a, a single global patent system. And it kind of makes sense because you're going to get consistency. You're going to remove duplication of effort. But it, there have been a few critics against this. In fact, one of the critics is Eye for Eye. You've you probably we talked about them an episode or two ago. They're the ones who claim to have the patent for customizable XML tags and documents. And you know, as we know, Microsoft have had to you know stop selling Word in the US. Uh, in, in the meantime, anyway, the Eye for Eye chairman has said that Microsoft's attitude was extraordinary. He says it captures the hostile attitude of Microsoft towards inventors who dare to enforce patents against them. It is also blatantly derogatory about the court system. So I, I don't know. It's uh, well, I mean, there's no surprise that I for I are, are against. Uh, in fact, probably against anything Microsoft does right now. But uh, to look, you know, on the face of it, it seems like a good idea. It just seems uh, fairly logical. Unless there's detail in there that I haven't examined that's not so savoury, uh, to me it sounds like a, a reasonable suggestion. Now this next story, in fact, uh, it's a bit dis- it's a shame Brett's not here because Brett would like the story. Uh, this story is about social network users uh, having to pay more in insurance premiums. Yeah, so, you know, I, it's been said before on, on this uh, podcast, I don't use Facebook. I might be the last person in the world not to have a Facebook page. In fact, actually, that's not true because I met someone the other day. So maybe I'm the last of two people in the world who don't use Facebook. Uh, and and the, the, here's, a, here's another reason for me not to, because if I'm buying insurance and I use a social network like Facebook, and remember, this is not limited to Facebook, but Facebook's, uh, Facebook is obviously the dominant one there. I may well be paying more for my insurance premiums. Now, the reason this has come about is that the insurance companies say that because people post so much information or give away so much information on Facebook and other social networking sites, such as when they're going on holiday and, more importantly, what gear they've just purchased just prior to going on holiday, uh, you know, that that's... Providing uh, this is, it's basically armchair shopping for burglars. You know, they they sit there surfing people's Facebook pages, and you know, if someone's mentioned that they've just bought this new HD TV, and even more recently, uh, sending pictures of, of the holiday that they're currently on, well, what better place for the burglar to target? So the rationale is is pretty much this: if you're going to give away information on social networking sites that might put you at risk of burglary, then you're going to end up paying more for your insurance premiums as a result. So it, it sort of makes sense. It's kind of like you know advertising the fact that you've gone on holiday by posting a big sign in front of your house saying, new HDTV inside, just gone on holiday, back next month. You know, I mean, you can beat your bottom dollar that when you come back, your new HDTV won't be inside your house anymore. So it kind of makes sense. 
On the flip side, it's kind of it seems a little harsh for the insurance companies to be doing this, uh, but it, it is it is somewhat logical if you if you analyse it. Now, it's not often we we get a news story about AMD. They they seem to have disappeared for a while. Who you're saying? Who's AMD? <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently they're coming out with a new 12-core CPU. Oh my goodness, 12 cores. That's insane. Well, they're trying to, basically, they're trying to keep up, uh, you know, in the CPU race. And Intel's pretty dominant these days, especially with Apple having signed up to Intel chips. They've they've really got a good monopoly now. So this, this is AMD's uh, way of... If showing that they're, they're not an also-ran, they're, they're still in the race, and that they're serious about staying in the race. So so we're going to have to look out for those new 12-core CPUs. Yeah. Be interesting to do a, a benchmark test against the Intel, the latest Intel stuff as well. So be interesting to see how the numbers stack up. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, look, that, that was pretty quick, but those are the international stories for this week. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll cover the New Zealand stories. Don't go away. All right, not so long ago, New Zealand Post was in the news because they announced that they were going to replace some Microsoft software with Google Apps, which I've I've just realised. With the outage with Gmail, does that mean that New Zealand Post was down? Anyway, what they've announced this time is that they're going to further expand the proof-of-concept trial of open source. So this this involves trialling Ubuntu on the desktop. Now, they have said they're not necessarily going to get rid of Windows, uh, but they are going to investigate other options like Ubuntu and Linux Mint as well. So uh, it's it's all about freedom of choice, say New Zealand Post. And in fact, I, I think this is a good idea. You know, if I was an employee at New Zealand Post, I'd be pretty happy. Not because I can get rid of Windows. Uh, it's just that at least because I have a choice. You know, not many organizations offer you a choice. I was very lucky at my, my workplace. They, they let me choose between a Mac and a PC. So guess which I picked. Uh, but, you know, not many organizations will do that. So the move that New Zealand Post is making now is... It's going to, uh, I think, well, it'll, it'll certainly keep the employees pretty happy, I'd say. Well, they didn't say who the choice was for, whether it's management's choice or the employee's choice, mind you. So, yeah, freedom of choice is fine so long as you have it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I must say, Ubuntu is pretty user-friendly. It's, out of all the Linux flavors out there, it's it's quite nice. It's uh, It's one of the easiest to get around. Having said that, I, I still... I'm somewhat reserved about it. It's it's just, to me, not quite polished enough. So I think it needs a little bit more work still. But, uh, you know, Linux, the Linux desktop has definitely come a long way. That's, that's for sure. And it's good to see organizations like New Zealand Post, at least they're giving it a try. They're testing it out. They're, they're exploring. And, and that's good because uh, unless you do these things, you really don't know whether you're missing out on something that's better. So good on you, New Zealand Post. Really good to see. And that really concludes our show this week. Just as well we don't charge for this show because uh, the audience will want, want their money back because it's only half the length of the normal episodes. Anyway, hopefully we'll have Brett back again next week. And even more importantly, let's hope that we see you again next week for episode number 34. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.